Hello and welcome to the Tallinn University Student Podcast. I'm your host, Valentina, and on today's episode we discuss Estonian film funding and its cultural impact. This year, the Estonian government announced a 42% cut in funding for film production in the upcoming year. After negotiations, the government agreed to keep the extra support, which is uh, 2 million euros. However, we believe a cut in the budget for the Estonian Film Institute is a bad trend that will have a negative effect not only on our filmmakers, but also on Estonian audience and culture as well. So it's time to get some deeper insights from our expert guests for today's episode, producer, director and Tallinn University professor or documentary film, Riho Vestrik. Hello, Professor. Thank you so much for joining us. Could you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background in the Estonian film industry? Hello. Pleasure was mine. I am a documentary filmmaker, producer, director and also researcher. I started as a documentary filmmaker already 25 years ago. Actually, 25 years ago, I already established my company, which is uh, running uh, till today. And uh, during that time, I have produced uh, over 50 documentary films and been director for around 20 of them. Wow. I I believe it's quite uncommon uh, for filmmakers to talk about not art, but money in an interview. Um, but this is what people outside industry have zero knowledge about, and especially when it comes to documentaries. And this is why many people may not consider um, funding cuts as an issue. So let's start with the process of um, getting funding support for a documentary film in Estonia. How do you do that? The main sources for financing documentary films come from uh, state foundations. Uh, the main uh, financier is Estonian Film Institute, which gets its uh, budget from the state budget. And then the other big uh, financier is uh, Estonian Cultural Endowment, which is uh, uh, like a fund that gets uh, its uh, financial sources from the gambling mainly, and those then uh, are are generated in different uh, foundations, and the the benefit is divided between the the, the cultural uh, different fields. So when I um, initiate a documentary project or the idea, then I I have to apply to usually to the to both of those institutions. And uh, in the first stage, I apply for the development support. And then when uh, development is done uh, successfully and the idea is uh, proven, I mean that uh, really the the initial idea proved to be uh, worth of uh, continuing as a production, then I have to apply second time for the production money. And this is usually a much bigger sum uh, than the development uh, support. Uh, everything in Europe is rather similar. The, 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 most of the European Union works under the same pattern. So sometimes the, 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 
stages can be a little bit different. Usually some, some states have also script support for documentary. But this looks a little bit uh, still for me ununderstandable how you, you support the script writing for the documentary. This development, it is development which is complex from the idea until the, the ready-made package, which is like you, you prepare it ready for going to production. It, it sounds like you have to prepare a lot of papers. Not that much, actually. Estonian requirements are rather modest compared to, for example, France, which has different culture. The, the so-called dossier in France uh, is around 40 pages. In Estonia, it is uh, a maximum one-page synopsis and uh, sometimes two, three-page treatment, plus the other supplements, but uh, describing uh, content, not that much, but it has to be well-written, talently, and also uh, proving that the, the subject is worth of doing and also that the filmmaker is capable of telling that story that is provided in the application. Do your application has to uh, include also budget plan? Absolutely. Yes, always based on the also yes, budget is, is also linked to the to the proposal. Um, uh, they are very naturally bind. I mean, um, those who read those experts who read the, the content, uh, they have some understanding also how much that or the other kind of uh, approach will cost. Some part of of the process you need maybe it requires more money than other parts. Like how how do you think uh, about everything before applying? That's rather easy. The the budget of the film has a rather fixed structure, which all the producers know what it is. So I just fill my my Excel. I can uh, vision uh, how many shooting days, how many editing days, what kind of equipment is used, and I know the prices of uh, each and uh, every element or particular of, of the budget. And that it uh, it is summed. Then I make the financing plan. It's not only about the budget, but also financing plan. I have to have a uh, uh, feasible uh, idea uh, how to cover it. And then uh, when it happens that I, I, um, I'm not able to cover that budget that I had planned, so I, I have to reduce the budget. This, this all is somehow, it, and all it is uh, connected to the creative idea. So by reducing something, I uh, have to give up some other ideas, uh, maybe some travels, maybe some shooting days, or uh, reduce the, the salaries. Um, this all is, uh, but this is quite specific pro producer's work, and it's not complicated at all compared to the non-fiction storytelling, what the, the, the scriptwriter and director have to go through. Do you have um, maybe special line for um, promotion costs? Yes, marketing is, uh, of course, a very important part of the budget. How do you promote uh, 
documentaries, uh, maybe for not for target audience, but for maybe general audience that may be not very interested in uh, documentaries? It all starts with uh, with defining your primary target audience, then secondary target audience, and maybe then uh, if there is more wider. So by, by defining them, you also choose the tools uh, how to reach them. There is uh, no need to market like uh, without any targeting, uh, just uh, to, to spread it to the atmosphere. It's it's not wise. I, but uh, this is also professional knowledge. How you 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 define the target audience, uh, how to describe it, and uh, then you have to know what are the specificities of the each and every target audience, uh, how to reach them, whether the age group is, what kind of media uh, they use, uh, how to make uh, the idea visible, when to start. Usually good uh, project has to start marketing already during the making of the film. Otherwise, it's too late. Well, it may be uh, part of marketing, I don't know, but... Uh, when you work on a documentary, do you think about ways how to stimulate audience reaction uh, to the finished film, or are you totally absorbed, absorbed like by filming? While filming, you of course uh, hunt for your uh, story, or you you kind of uh, follow the initial plan that you have made. It's not random, never random, but you are open for the surprises and miracles to happen. But then when you start editing, which is the, the, the second phase and uh, maybe even more important uh, in terms of storytelling, of course you have to craft the story from the, the piles of the footage. And here, uh, absolutely, you have to think about the audience as well which doesn't mean that you have to please uh, each and everyone in the audience, but it doesn't uh, mean also that you can be um, uh, so arrogant that you, you don't give the, any importance to your audience and uh, you just do your thing, which is your thing and not uh, understandable for the majority of people. That, that may be not about uh, pleasing others or... Um, if you want to entertain your audience, but maybe you still expect like specific emotional and intellectual um, reaction from uh, an an audience uh, to film you have worked on. I I may explain um, why I'm asking about this because um, recently I went to to see a documentary about China, and uh, it was Full House what is like it's awesome but um like my reaction to this film was so different from others because well that movie was uh like the full of maybe some like ridiculous moments of uh work life of uh, chinese and people were laughing and i was pretty shocked because i have chinese friends and i care about them i care about their home like I really care, and what I saw, I was upset to see that. Like I, I have heard about this, like I know, but I still was upset. And people 
sitting like next to me, they were laughing. I, I, I don't know what, uh, what was expecting um, a director, but what do you, while editing this uh, um, a film, like, do you think that, oh, well, like this moment will be like, uh, will be received like this or that? Sure, sure. Uh, yes, let's start. You, your uh, question uh, contains several layers. Uh, if we talk first of all emotional involvement, then this is, uh, for, by my opinion, it is the main importance uh, or main characteristic that a documentary has to have not uh, the, the the story content that much but uh, mainly does it uh, evoke uh, emotions in the audience or not and then comes the, the story itself uh, how it is told if you want some information uh, bits of information you don't need to watch the documentary you can read the article or book but uh, the advantage of documentary is that it can uh, work on the senses of the audience. Now, uh, I, I, uh, I enjoy always uh, being present when my film is uh, screened in different countries because uh, the reaction of the audience is very important and it is quite often uh, different depending on what, in which culture you show your film. So, uh, and I don't think that you can please uh, every culture the same way. But uh, if they were not indifferent, then it, it was already achievement. Maybe you have a specific example of a different reaction. Maybe something that surprised you that in one country uh, reaction was like this, in other was absolutely like opposite. Just uh, the same thing that you mentioned that people loved over things like uh, I, I feel sorry or uh, compassion. I would say uh, I, I have uh, noticed that in the, the, the biggest documentary festival in the world in Amsterdam, uh, they can be very broad that uh, Dutch people uh, love to, to see nonfiction uh, cinema. The halls are usually... Uh, rather full, but also they have kind of uh, light uh, attitude to things like uh, if someone uh, falls down, uh, which is like awful if it was the old uh, person, they they also laugh uh, over that. And uh, I've understood by visiting uh, Itva Amsterdam Film Festival uh, quite uh, frequently that this is kind of protective collective uh, behavior that they they, they avoid uh, these uh, painful uh, moments by just uh, being over it uh, by laughing over it but also the much more radical uh, differences are between the continental uh, things like you mentioned uh, the Chinese film evoke uh, different emotions it's the same, the understanding of, of uh, Chinese, of Japanese, uh, about some uh, very obvious uh, things for us is totally different. And this is good. Uh, it, it, uh, it enriches the, the world and uh, we love variety. Maybe you really cannot uh, predict a reaction from audience, but... Uh... 
What do you think? Can documentaries still manipulate audience, like their worldview? Of course they can. They can, of course. Uh, the thing is uh, just uh, in what level, because if you as a storyteller choose uh, two one-sided approach, uh, it, it can be also understood by the audience and the, the, uh, how they perceive it uh, will change as well. So uh, uh, the advice that I always give to my students is that if you want to show something black, you have to to show this black with uh, different uh, tonalities of the gray and white as well. Otherwise, it is black and it is like uh, so linear without any dynamics that the audience will not get the, the emotional uh, reaction that you expect. So uh, documentaries as a source of uh, propaganda were used already in the 20s of the last century. Uh, most of the countries understood that uh, this is something uh, well known is in the Soviet Russia, Soviet Union, where the, the rate of illiteracy was very high. Uh, people couldn't read, uh, but the Bolsheviks' uh, new ideas had to be communicated. Uh, film art was uh, the best thing to do that, but the same uh, Germans understood it very well. And in Great Britain, uh, where actually kind of uh, model of the documentary production and distribution was created in the 30s. Uh, John Grierson understood it very well and started to use uh, documentary films uh, for the sake of communicating uh, empires uh, different uh, information to, to different parts of the empire, big empire, which had problems with cohesion. But yes, today I would say that if someone comes out with too pers pervade, persuasive approach, uh, it won't be well uh, received by the audience because they immediately understand that they, 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 the manipulation is so obvious. But every, every documentary is a construction of the film's author meaning that some idea that was in the author's mind has to be communicated. Uh, l let's go back um, to what you're um, saying to your students um, about um, how you said, like, if you want to show something like black, just mm -hmm. uh, add something like different. Polarized, like a positive, negative, uh, fully positive, fully negative. It doesn't work. So, so is it uh, in case a filmmaker doesn't want to manipulate, but want to avoid bias um, in uh, in the film? The manipulation is is not maybe the 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 best uh, word to describe. Uh, as I said, every author is constructing the story. Uh, it is never objective. It can't be objective. It is always subjective. And actually, those uh, times where people were arguing what is more honest and what is more objective, they lay somewhere uh, 60 years ago, and those disputes have uh, already done. 
And today we even enjoy if we can see stories told by strong authors. Because uh, we have so many like security cameras or uh, internet cameras in Estonia. We are very happy that we have all those wildlife cameras, seal cameras, eagle cameras, uh, whatever. Uh, these give you almost objective information. The only decision is the, where the camera is placed. The, the other thing is random. But these are not documentary films because they don't have this author's touch at all. It's too little the, 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 the decision where to place the camera. If someone starts to edit it by compressing time or uh, choosing the episodes, uh, then it's already documentary. But then it is already subjective because that someone made choices which parts to drop off and which parts to, to keep. I want to ask um, maybe uncomfortable question, but do documentaries make a profit? This is not um, the question that you can uh, give the the one and only answer. The, it, it is well-known notion that uh, documentary production is not uh, with uh, big budgets compared to fiction films. This is like 10 times or even more smaller budgets. And uh, the, the, the usual case of scenario is that uh, you get, get uh, everything paid, film comes out, and you can start your next uh, movie. In, in the best cases, can have some uh, profit as well. Let's say if you imagine that uh, some film is very, very popular in the theatric release in cinemas, and we have had cases already in Estonia where the domestic uh, documentary got 100,000 uh, viewers. You can just uh, imagine what the ticket costs and imagine that half of it goes, at least half goes to the theaters. Uh, but uh, usually 60%. Um, so anyways, it, 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 it still uh, generates some profit, but these are very rare cases. Usually we are happy when everything is paid, uh, the, the story is told, uh, the quality is good, you are invited to the festivals, maybe film is shown in the television. It's good already. So is it about, about art, not money? It is about art, it is about lifestyle, but uh, usually done with money. No one says you that you can't do documentary without money. If you have all the equipment, you have your time, you have your story to tell, go ahead. But this is not uh, production. Production usually needs also finances. Filmmaking sounds pretty hard, but making a film for a student must be uh, even more hard. And are there any successful works made by students of uh, our Baltic film media and art school? Yes, sure. Uh, it's, I wouldn't say that it is even more hard um, uh, for students because students can enjoy the the, the group work that we do here, they can uh, have always the supervision. 
which they won't have anymore when they already start their independent uh, career. So actually, in the best case of scenario, you can see the student uh, years as an incubator. Basically, we, we try to create some synergy between different students uh, in order to make the best possible films. Uh, what is great success? Our, our films uh, get to the international festivals. I mean documentaries as well. Uh, also, of course, fiction uh, shorts uh, get good prices and go to the festivals, but also the documentaries. And um, recently, I would say that uh, the, the, the number of uh, first-person movies have got uh, good circulation. The, I, I wouldn't say in titles right now, but at least three uh, first-person movies are circulating already uh, since the, the last year. And uh, also some other uh, creative documentaries that are chosen to the different international festivals. I mean, good, uh, good, uh, prominent festivals already. If we talk about international festivals, um, what festivals we're talking about? In what countries? First of all, there are thousands of festivals in the world. Uh, what I mean uh, are those festivals that are somehow recognized by the by the community of filmmakers. There's also, as you know, uh, the results of the A-category festivals and not A-category festivals, like PUF is A-category festival. And there are over 20 A-category festivals in the world. Then there is also Oscar qualifying festivals, meaning that uh, if you win the, the, the best of that festival, you got the right to apply for the Oscar of that year. So. I, I, I am talking uh, about uh, European festivals, of course, m m mostly because uh, to reach out to the US is not that easy. It's different culture and also we, Asian market is for us totally available, but um, we still, uh, as we spoke earlier, there is a cultural cultural differences still. It has to be already so uh, universal a story told by the master that it, it will really travel to, to different continents. But basically, everything that we do and that have already got some uh, notion in Europe can travel to, to other continents as well. If we talk about uh, young filmmakers, uh, what um, what choices they have I mean if it's uh, like B category no but for, if we talk about festivals then the, the main uh, choice is student categories of course you have to see which festivals have student categories some festivals are totally specialized on student films but mainly general festivals uh, have also student categories this is the, the most reasonable uh, platform to start. But if you ask what choices they have when they graduate, then they, they face the 
the same uh, world as as those who already uh, work there. So um, you you have to have ideas, you have to have network in order to finance your ideas, and you have to be talented. Or maybe sometimes good luck as well, but uh, the, those two three first uh, conditions failed. Uh, I think you can succeed. You said about financing uh, ideas. How can uh, young filmmakers uh, get a funding? The same way as the, the middle-aged and the old filmmakers. They have to apply for the, the support. And uh, somehow um, what I have uh, noted is that uh, for the first stage, like development support, it's even advantage if you are young in Estonia because the, the, the founders also look for the new talents and uh, they uh, put the hope on the new ideas. If this idea is original enough, they, they don't care in the beginning if the, the filmmaker can prove uh, to be a cap to be capable of telling that story, they they can give you more on guess, but then of course after after your development stage, you have to prove that uh, you also have ability to make this film. Are are, are there many grants, uh, maybe some organi organizations for supporting young filmmakers? Not that much for uh, specifically young filmmakers. Um, the, some uh, just companies support BFMs, uh, young uh, filmmakers, but uh, not uh, that I know in the market already. But uh, again, uh, if you talk about alternative ways of uh, financing film, there are NGOs, a uh, number of them who initiate production of different uh, films rather uh, frequently. So basically, this is also opportunity. A lot of uh, development aid projects uh, where Estonia is involved uh, can also order some films and they make tender on it or you can uh, just somehow network with them. Maybe there are more grants, um, like European grants, there are two big uh, European institutions are the, the, the financing uh, uh, sources. One of them is Creative Europe and the other one is Eurimage. They are both more for the more advanced uh, filmmakers, uh, for the newcomers um, rather no. At least you have to have experienced producer or production company. And that is very competitive. Of course, also the, the domestic uh, rounds are very competitive, very competitive. Um, let's go back to government investment in the film industry. And if um, in case uh, this funding cut, this trend will continue, um, like will it affect filmmaking in Estonia um, in negative way? Like how? <laughs> How bad is it? I can't say how bad. It, you can't measure it. Uh, of course, uh, every cut has a negative uh, influence, but uh, 
I can't say there will be direct uh, connection that uh, cutting the budget by 10%, we will see 10% uh, weaker films. Uh, I wouldn't say that. It's you, you can't make such a connection. But of course it's bad because uh, the industry needs some flow in order to, to not only keep the professionality, but also advance it, to develop it further. So if you don't have that flow, or each element in the industry will uh, also get weaker. This is the main, uh, main uh, consequence that uh, is connected to cut. But in personal level, of course, less filmmakers can make their films, which means like, uh, what what do they have to do at that time? Do they have to become the the, the track drivers or uh, bookkeepers or what? And then when you once you get track driver, which is okay, it's very honorable. Then you will not think anymore about making films. So. It can't be like a temporary change in your life. It, it is then we lose the, the talent. It's a bad scenario, actually. But um, in, uh, in case um, this funding cut will continue, uh, does it mean that, well, maybe our filmmakers won't uh, drive uh, a truck or, or a taxi, maybe they go and work for international companies. Is there a possibility? It's always a possibility. Filmmaking is very international uh, field, but uh, we already work for the international projects. Uh, and uh, I don't believe we could have uh, that much more opportunities to cover the the cuts here, like, which also means that uh, while uh, the supporting specialists are working with uh, well-paid international projects, then they are not available for the good Estonian projects, and you have to cope with uh, not that good uh, supporting forces here which is bad. You need the best lighting uh, guys and uh, cinematographers, uh, sound, everything that is needed. Let's talk about something pleasant. Um, how do you measure uh, success um, for a film, for a documentary? Yes, uh, there are several different uh, characteristics that can be viewed as a, as, a, as a success. First, and this is not in the order of priority, but just randomly mentioned, uh, if your film is traveling well in festivals and gets prices, it is already a good thing. Then the other thing is, of course, uh, if it uh, is shown in the television, because the reach of audience in the television is, is almost... Uh, every time uh, better than uh, than we, with the average cinematic release in Estonia. Then, if it's well released in cinemas, gets a lot of audience, it is absolutely good. Uh, 
And uh, what is also some uh, characteristic, I would say, if the film is uh, extremely well perceived by some group like critics or uh, some some group of uh, artists, or I don't know what they understand it, but maybe it was not that much uh, entertaining for the general audience. It's also good because uh, sometimes uh, we need also more intellectual expression in order to keep uh, thinking alive. Otherwise, uh, if we uh, kind of level us to the, to the general audience uh, taste, uh, then uh, there is no peaks anymore and uh, we lower and lower the, the level of the time. The bigger success, uh, the bigger impacts on culture, like uh, how how do you how do you think um, how big if we if we talk about our domestic culture how big is the impact of Estonian movies on uh, on culture like in in your opinion movies are part of culture uh, culture is part of uh, general universe and life uh, so um, and everything is connected. Um, if we take uh, motion picture off from the culture, uh, then it will be poorer. If we take literature off, it is poorer. So we need all of them. And uh, how you measure the the importance or the influence of culture, it is mainly for creating... Uh, uh, pleasure or um, good environment for the audience or the people. So uh, I guess if we if we estimate by the numbers of people uh, who go to the cinema theaters to watch Estonian movies and uh, how much it is, how many times it is shown in the television. It, it kind of looks like uh, we need it. And I, I um, we know that, that the numbers are increasing, so it uh, means that uh, Estonian film is needed for the Estonian audience. And also the fact that uh, several peaks have uh, received all, uh, uh, prizes from uh, prominent festivals shows also the quality. It's not anymore very local uh, uh, niche thing. It is already totally networked. It is international. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you very much for taking time to join us today. Thank you, Riho Vastrik. Thank you, and take care. And you, listener, if you enjoyed this episode, please show some love for the Italian University Student Podcast by sharing it with others and following us on Spotify. Bye.